feedback last week after last Sunday morning. Nothing to do with the sermon, but lots about the glasses. So, can I invite you to turn with me or look up uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, or beside someone who has a Bible or has it on a device, then please do share with them. They promise. And as we wind it up, I want to continue to think about our giving received. Uh, last Sunday, we looked at the uh, touchy, let me see, is this working here? Uh, an Old Testament practice amongst the people of God that is not command, either is it rescinded explicitly. We said last week that Jesus did reflection of tithing after the Gospels, apart from one reference to Abraham's or Abram's tithe to Melchizedek. We, or I said, that giving 10% or a tenth back to God still has some traction, baseline and model to consider. But tithing is definitely not the Lord, but it is a helpful historical method and guide that gets us or sets us probably now best described as the way of generosity that we're called to walk as New Testament Christians. To be open hands, because when it comes to giving, that's the way, it's that path that we have got to journey along. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, exemplify this, who walk this way, and they are used or they're held up. And not only as an example to another church, in this case, the church in Corinth, but also held up as an example to us. Paul refers to him, just quoting now, the rich Macedonian churches, the rich generosity of these believers challenge and encourage the Christians in Corinth about their approach to giving. And in this, I'm going to stick just to chapter 8, but in here we find a number of helpful principles of Christian giving. Influence our walk and influence our hearts and influence our hands. Now let me 2009 as part of a series looking at different heart conditions that have been identified by the late John Stott in his brilliant little book. Some of this might ring a few bells, but given that it's eight years ago plus, it's highly unlikely. Is they actually summarize a lot of what I've been trying to share during the past. Can I invite you to stand with me for the public reading of God's word? Second Corinthians chapter. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God, severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectation by the will of God to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to sell in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the sale, in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich in poverty, you might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Also, you had the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness remains. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. Not have. 
Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that in time your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is gathered much did not have much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Rich generosity. That's believers in verse 2. In other words, they didn't hold back. They did some. But notice where their giving begins. And where underlying these people's generosity is the generosity of God. That was the spark. That was the... I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonians. They recognized, they appreciated that God had done for them. They knew they didn't deserve any of it. They hadn't earned any of it, but they had received the extravagant grace of God. And because of God's lavish grace towards them, it's got to start there. God's grace. Or let me put it like this. And here is the first principle. I'm going to give you eight principles this morning. But here is the first. Giving is an expression of the grace of God. You know, God has been so gracious to us. Do you that this morning? Do you know that this morning? Speaking personally, I often forget it. And so I need to keep it is a vivid remember, reminder of just how much God loves me. And just, but as we acknowledge that, God then wants us as his children to reflect back to others. As we've been saying all along, of a generous God. And therefore, we're to be generous with our time, generous with our abilities. We're to be generous with our possessions. And we are to be generous with immense generosity, his outrageous grace. And therefore, we should give. Could it be, could it be that a core part of our problem with giving issue in general is a reduced awareness and appreciation of the grace of God? He said, but even as I eat and drink around this table, I often find my mind is racing. And often it's racing because I'm thinking, I've got to get up here. Routine. Over-familiar, all sorts of things crowd into my mind, and I just do what is expressed in Jesus. And if I can really get that, comes the springboard to whether I am generous. Of God's generosity to me, and maybe the challenge around this whole subject of the grace of God. For the Macedonian believers, their giving received grace. But let me move on. Principle number two, because please notice if you have possession, look where they were coming from, the place out of which they were giving. Paul tells us in verse, out of the most severe trial and out of extreme poverty, that profoundly challenging because it seems that circumstances didn't and shouldn't curb generosity didn't or shouldn't curb generosity. You see, sometimes we think, I think anyway, that whenever life is better, whenever the current squeeze is over, whenever the pressure is less, then I'll be able to give more. Well, it seems, and, and here's the second principle, it seems all circumstances is possible. You see, for me, more often than not, claim, I just can't give at the minute. Not for these rule models in Macedonia. And verse 3 not only reinforces that they gave as they were able. 
Paul actually says they gave beyond their sacrificial giving. Giving that stretches us. Giving that carries. He was saying, you know, I've been thinking and praying about my giving, and, and I do give, and I'm trying to increase. Cost me. It's not a sacrifice. I give. And that's challenging. Our giving, when we're getting it tight, does it reduce? Does it increase? It seems that these Christians, and irrespective of their intense difficulties and pressures, why? Well, for me, it goes back to the first point, the first principle, grace in their lives. And so they just wanted to reflect his generosity. Christian giving requires personal surrender to God. Look at verse 5. Themselves, first of all, to the Lord. You see, before they gave to others, not just their resources, but their very selves to God. Here were a group of people committed to strength and mind. And flowing from that, flowing out of that, give to others. In other words, to love their neighbor and those around them. And again, the challenge is real because maybe part of our tendency to hold back on total surrender. Do you know there are parts of our lives fully? There's aspects of life that I'm clinging on to, areas. And I wonder, is money and our giving doesn't have full access? God is not Lord of all. Requires personal surrender to God. Not just one off, daily, taking up our cross, laying down our lane. And then down to verse 7 for the next principle the Corinthian Christians were doing really well in certain areas. In fact, you are excelling in certain things. Do you know what you're excelling in? And Paul commends them for their faith. Brilliant. Your sincerity is great, and that's impressive. But Paul said, don't they also excel in the grace of giving? Here was an area that these Christians had taken the eye off the ball. They weren't so focused and intentional in this area of their lives. And so Paul calls them, oh, deeper, let's take this further. Let's press in. And so he practice, because whenever you practice something, you get better at it. And as we've said, all who handle it includes how we give it back to God. Those other areas of life, your faith, you're really important. But here's an area that often gets overlooked and underpracticed. Do it brilliantly. Excel at it. Paul doesn't order the Christians to give. He doesn't come language that says, do you know something? As Christians, you ought to do this. That, that's not the way we can come at this. And it's never the way anybody does say is that here's a great way to, and this is where this gets really, really challenging for me. Give your love. And we're back to this central biblical value that acts one thing. Showing and demonstrating it's another. Or contradicts our words. And for Paul, our giving, how we handle our money of our generosity. And so one way to check the authenticity of someone's personal commitment to God, but one way to check the authenticity of someone's commitment and personal surrender, because actions speak louder than words. And Paul, giving is an acid test of your love and sincerity. 
is that, that initially causes slight discomfort. He, he seems to want to test the sincerity of their love by comparing at face value a threatening thought. How does your giving stack up when compared to others? Like if I was to say right now, turn around to the person to say, you'd freak. But notice where Paul takes this, although... But notice where he takes it and the perspective that he brings, because clearly what he doesn't want is when you compare and contrast. Some people then start beating themselves up. Other people start thinking, well, you see in comparison to lots of other people. And so what does he do? He turns his attention to Jesus. And he says, listen, see if you want to. Here's how you test it. Here's how you measure it. You measure it against the cross. Because though he was rich, yet for your sake, in so many ways, why? So that by his and I appreciate there is lots in that one phrase, but just stripping it back, it removes everything. Jesus took on the nature of a servant. Jesus made himself nothing. Jesus became so that we might become rich, not financially rich, but so that we might become spiritual. Therefore, it's the cross. And what we have remembered here this morning at this table that should this is what, that is what, some of the words that we sang, particularly in that spire, and motivate your giving and determine the level of your giving. But he's setting a certain percentage and saying, this is what you've got to hit and then you're doing okay. No. You, a generous God, I've experienced his grace in my life. Expression of that grace, the cross of Christ. And that's what motivates me. Prince Cross, you see if the cross loses its significance, if this table becomes over-familiar, emanated by thoughts of sacrifice and salvation, then our giving will be uninspired. In verses 10 to 12, Paul then in verse 10, he, he refers to it. In verse 11, he recognizes their eager willingness then your gift will be acceptable. And this is, as we've been saying all along, a matter back to this. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. No one can force you, as I say, into giving. Nobody can force you to increase your, as it always is, is how is your heart? Because here is the principle, principle number seven. Christian giving is a desire rather than a duty. If you approach this unengaged, if your heart's not in it, then your giving will be stifled. It's there. And now you're still eager. As a result, if the desire is there, if you're still willing to give and eager to give, do you know what? When you give, your gift will bar in it. You want to do this. You long to do this. It's got to come from here. And note how Paul encourages them at this point to say, listen, give according to your means. I know earlier he in church, he says, listen, give according to your means. Give out of what you do have. This isn't about thinking, do you know, see if I have what you do have. The issue isn't the amount, the issue is not there. If your heart's not in it, you'll not do it. Or you'll do it out of because somebody sent you on some kind of guilt trip or somebody's done a six-week series on money. But you see, if your nothing will change. So let me ask your heart before God, because the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. That, that will determine. And to God. If you truly love him, with all you, your mind, then the desire to give back will just flow. Is a desire, it's a hard thing. That is why in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul goes on to say, do you know what, who God loves? God loves a, God loves a cheerful giver. 
You see, if you want to do this, giving becomes a pleasure. Giving becomes a joy. Giving becomes a blessing. And as Jesus said, or was called more blessed to give than to receive. If you long to... Verses 13 to 15, where we discover our last principle. Christian giving and Christians were, were doing okay financially. If you look at verse 14... But out of their plenty, fortunate than themselves at this particular time. Why? Because there may come a day whenever the tables will be turned and I am giving to you. And this has implications at a local level, a local church level, a local community. We as a church are wanting to respond to the East Africa appeal. It's not the exact same financial position. That's not the equality Paul is talking about. But it is about ensuring that we live simply so that others can simply live. That we care about one another's needs and we respond accordingly. So here are eight, princi eight principles of no limits giving. Expression of the grace of God. Christian giving in any climate and under all circumstances is practice. To practice Christian giving is an acid test of love and sincerity. Christian giving is inspired by the cross. Contributes to equality. Here are eight principles that lead us along the way of generosity that will save us from serving money and ensure that we serve off money. Here are eight principles that will encourage us to be open. And as we finish this series, let me invite you to carefully and prayerfully consider it and rework it in light of God's word. Not because anybody tells but in light of God's word. In light of God's grace about 30 copies of that last slide. If anybody wants, wants all these little booklets that we as a church have, the grace of giving, which helps you if you're giving or whatever. But we're going to finish where we started this series. That's a go. Back at principle number one. We're going to end by singing, if the guys can come up, we're going to end the lyric we're going to sing together. God of grace, amazing wonder, irresistible and free. To stand, not just to stand and sing, but to stand in wonder. That, that's what it says. At your grace and generosity, God. And as we do that, and as we sing these words, will be to choose a life of overflowing and ongoing grace, amazing wonder.